Hey friends, it's Pastor Jared. Thank you for joining us online today, man. It's so good to have you here. Um, take a second and share this with somebody, would you, man? There are so many people in our world that still need a little bit of hope for the future, and you could share that hope with them just by hitting the share button. Repost this to your story, share it on Facebook, whatever it is, because we need to get the word out on this. Hey, listen, I need you to do something for me. Uh, I need you to take out your phone for just a second because we're gonna talk about reopening the church in just a second, but first I need you to do this. I need you to text the word renewal to 617-297-9446 so that you can get up to the minute updates on what Renewal Church is doing. Because as we do reopening, we gotta give you some big, huge updates about what's coming up in the church and we need you to be able to get text updates. So text the word renewal to 617-297-9446. We're gonna leave that up on the screen so you can do that today. And the reason is because Reopening is coming, reopening is coming, reopening is coming. Nicole and I have been working on the plan this past week. We're gonna be sharing it with the whole church this coming week so that you know, and we are so excited about the way that we're doing this. It's unique, it's like nothing we've ever done before. It's gonna be both safe and fun. And if you didn't think those things could go together, just wait till you see what we have planned. So that's a big announcement this week but you're gonna need those text updates for reopening. So check your email this week and check those text updates. We're not gonna text you 12 times a day. We're just gonna make sure you have the most important things. This is for you, especially if you hate checking your email. Now, today, we've got a great service for you. I think you're gonna love it. We got a couple of songs that are gonna be really uplifting for you. We're gonna hear about some of the worst bosses people have ever had and lastly, we're gonna have a special segment today where we get Heather's perspective, that's my wife Heather, Heather's perspective on the Bible passage that we're looking at because I think what she has to give us is so valuable there. So I hope that you enjoy it. I hope this is an uplifting, hope-filled thing for you that encourages you to live with faith and live more like Jesus. Enjoy the service. Hey church, thanks for joining us today. Before we hop into worship, do us a favor. Share this link with somebody that you know so they can also benefit from hearing today's message. Let's worship. You make it easy to love you. You are good and you are kind. You bring joy into my life. Trust you. You have never left my side. You've been faithful every time. All I want is you, Jesus. All I'll follow you anywhere There's a million reasons to trust you Nothing to fear for you are by my side I'll follow you anywhere Oh Jesus, you came to my rest 
took my place upon that cross You redeemed what I had lost Now my whole world's revolving around you You're the center of my life You're the treasure, you're the prize And all I want is you Jesus, all I want is you Cause you are the refuge I run to You are the fire that leads me through the night I'll follow you anywhere There's a million reasons to trust you Nothing to fear for you are by my side I'll follow you anywhere Follow you anywhere Follow you
faithful hands they hold us safe within his promise of calling and of destiny and i will sing of all you've done for that this morning God that there wasn't a day that you weren't by our sides and there wasn't a day that you let us fall 
because you're faithful to the end. God, help us live in that knowledge that you are faithful to the end. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, my name is Adri, and on behalf of Renewal, we're so glad that you're here with us today. If you've been blessed by any of our messages, why don't you take a couple of minutes right now to share the link to our online service with people that you know. It could be through your story, through your feed. You could even text it to somebody. Coming up in exactly a week from today, we are doing baptisms. They're happening July 26 at 2 p.m. and it'll be at the beach in Southie. So if you're in Boston and are ready for that next step to be baptized, fill out the connection card and on there you can uh, check off the box for us to send you more information. Thanks for joining us today and we hope you enjoyed the rest of the service. Hey church, it's Pastor Jared here of Renewal Church. Thanks for joining us online today as we get started with the talk today. Why don't you go ahead and share this. If you're on Facebook, share it. If you can post the link to it online, maybe post it on Instagram, get the word out there because there's somebody who needs a little bit of hope today. Hey, uh, we are working on reopening, so make sure you check your email. And just as importantly, sign up for text updates from the church. Text the word RENEWAL to 617-297-9446 because you're going to need those updates as we start to reopen the church. We've got exciting stuff planned for you. I mean, I'm, I've never been more excited about a season in the life of our church and just how much fun it's going to be. So I don't want you to miss out on that. Now, we're going to start off today by talking about bad bosses. Maybe you've had a bad boss. Maybe you've been a bad boss. I went online this week and asked you to help tell your stories of the worst bosses you've ever had. And I picked the two best ones, or maybe I should say the two worst ones. Let me tell you what people said this week when I asked about their worst boss. Oh, first I should mention, I had to block four of my current and former employees from answering this question. And after I eliminated them, this is what I got. It said this, 2005 Central Mississippi Summer Camp. So it's already a great start. We didn't have waste management figured out. No dumpster on camp. Really bad idea. So we just dumped everything in a trailer. Food waste included. 70 full contractor bags of food sat there in the Mississippi sun for two months until our boss finally got a dumpster delivered and asked us to move the trash bags to the dumpster. But at that point, the bags had started to decompose and fell apart very, very easily. I vomited three times due to the smells and so did everyone else. That was the winner. That was the absolute worst. But here's another one somebody said about their, their worst boss and this kind of answer was far more common. It says, I had a retail manager who always yelled at me when we counted money at closing. 
Hmm. Our numbers were always short and I constantly had to recount. This manager was also pretty lazy. Months later, this person got fired for stealing out of the cash register on a regular basis. I mean, those are just my, recur my, my favorite two answers. And I want to thank you for contributing. If we picked your answer here today, I'll send you an, uh, an online gift card to flower in your email. But the most common theme that we looked at when it came to what makes a bad boss is a bad boss was someone who leveraged their position for their own benefit. We just saw that over and over and over again. Instead of helping or serving or encouraging or, or, or just even managing in a positive way their employees, they leveraged their position for their own gain. But it doesn't have to be that way. When I uh, graduated from college, it was 2005, and in that summer I graduated I moved to a new city and I had to get my first apartment. I was living on my own for the very first time. I had no life skills and I had no job, which was a big deal because I was getting married that summer. So I was freaking out. I went all around town. I applied to all the different places, um, but I couldn't get a job. I remember I even failed the online test for working at Home Depot because I didn't have the practical skills, right, to even like get through their online test to sort through people or whatever. So I was getting pretty nervous about this um, until one day I got a phone call from a guy I didn't know. And he said, hey, email your resume to this hospital and this, this email address at the hospital. I said, okay. And within a couple weeks, I had a job. Now, what happened, what had happened was this guy named Jay Johnson, whom I, I didn't know or have a relationship with, knew a friend of a friend. And um, he said, hey, man, I know you're coming up here to help us start a church. And I had been pitched on the church when they said, hey, we want you to be the youth pastor. We just can't pay you. And I was like, okay, let's do this. So Jay said, he reached out to his friends at the hospital because he had done consulting work there with the CFO and the CIO. And he just said, hey, can you get my, this kid a job? And they said, yeah. And he leveraged his position to help me out and to bless me. You know, what we're talking about today is this idea that God is working behind the scenes of your life to put you in a position of influence. And the question for you and the question for me is, what are we going to do with that influence that God gives to us? Are we going to leverage it for others? Or are we going to use it for ourselves? Because I just believe that God is working behind the scenes of your life to put you in a position of influence. And this is so profoundly important for the way you live Christianity. Some of you grew up in going to church and, and your version of Christianity was basically rules-based. It was, hey, don't, don't, drunk, uh, don't um, drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls who do. Like that was the Christian message for you. But when Christianity, when the message about Jesus starts to transform your relationship to power, that's when it really starts to get into the core of who you are as a person and change your life. And I think as an extension, start to create the change in the world out there that this world so desperately needs as Christians, um, relationship to power is transformed. And that's exactly what we're talking about today. We're in the last week of our series called Life Hacks. Um, this week, we're, we're looking at the life of Esther. I wanted to pull one of the female characters from the Bible to get her, her perspective. And what we're going to see is the way that Esther leverages her position for the good of her people. And when we, we pick up this story, Esther has a choice to make about whether she's going to save her own skin or whether she's going to be a part of God's plan to save her people. So let's pick it up together in the book of Esther, chapter 4. And let me read you the passage, and then we're going to... I'm going to point a few things out, all right? Esther 4, 13 through 17. 
Mordecai, just so you know, that's Esther's uncle. Mordecai sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. Now, a couple things I want to point out from this passage to you. And the first one is this. God is working behind the scenes to affect Esther's position. The most significant thing about the book of Esther in the Bible is the Hebrew word for God. And do you know why? It's because it's not in there. Esther is the only book of the 66 books and letters that comprise the Old and New Testament, our Bible, that does not contain the word God. And that's on purpose. When you read the book of Esther unfold, you're supposed to kind of read it and say to yourself, well, isn't that interesting that Esther was the one who was picked to be queen? Ah, isn't that an interesting coincidence that she's in a, a position of authority right when the people of God are in trouble? Isn't that isn't that a strange coincidence how her uncle Mordecai is arch rivals with an evil man named Haman who's trying to eliminate the Jews from the country? He's go, isn't it interesting? And, and what it's supposed to do is draw you in as a story to see God is working behind the scenes. And I think this is so powerful for your life and my life because so often, you know, our experience of God is not a burning bush. It's not a pillar of fire. It's not an angel on the side of the road. It's more those circumstances where it's like, isn't it interesting that, that God is working behind the scenes of our lives to put you in the positions of influence that you're in? And that's what was happening in Esther's life. Now, here's the other thing I want to point out to you. Esther risks her position and her life to speak out. As the story of Esther unfolds, we learn that there's a very strange rule in the kingdom. And here's the rule. Esther's going to put it in her own words. She says, All the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned by the king has but one law, that they be put to death unless the king extends his golden scepter to them and spares their lives. Right? So you come into the king's presence unannounced, you're either going to die or he's going to extend the scepter to save your life. And I was thinking about this, and I am about to implement this law in my home office with my children. Because if my kids come in one more time asking me if they can have an apple or if they can play Minecraft, the new law is going to be you automatically die unless I extend the golden scepter and say, Jude, you may live. I think that'd be a pretty good rule. Now for Esther, of course, it's not funny at all. It's very serious for her. She's risking her position as queen. She's risking her very life. And she has to do that. And, and I think one of the things we see here is that the higher you climb in life, the more you, the more you risk losing by leveraging your position. So there's risk involved in this. And the, the final thing to point out here is that this is a legacy-defining moment for Esther as queen, right? 
she gets to choose whether she's a part of God's plan or not. And the language that Mordecai uses here is so fascinating to me, right? It's like Mordecai just says, it's a foregone conclusion. God is going to save his people because that's just what God does. Listen to what Mordecai says. He says, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your families and your father's family will perish. So for Esther, the question isn't, is God going to save his people? Like that's just what God does. The question is, are you going to be a part of God's plan or is fear going to hold you back? And I believe that there are legacy-defining moments. This is, this is Esther's legacy-defining moment for her as queen. But in, in your life and my life, there are legacy-defining moments in our workplace, like in a, in a season that we have in a job. There are legacy-defining moments in a relationship where this one moment and this one choice and this one decision shapes and colors an entire relationship. Now, that's what we see in Esther's life. But when we walk away from this today, um, we have to apply this to our own lives. And here's the thing, you're never gonna be queen. And I'm so sorry to break this, this news to you because Kate Middleton and Meghan Markle jumped the line. I mean, you can't even be American royalty because Tom Brady's already married. So you know, you're, kinda, you're kinda out of luck on that. But God has been working behind the scenes of your life to put you in positions of influence. And maybe that's a big uh, public position where you know, you're a boss over people, you have authority in a company, or maybe that's the kind of influence that comes through close relationships and friendships and family relationships in your life. But God has been working behind the scenes in your life to put you in positions of influence. And you have to decide, will I leverage the position God has given me to serve those around me? like Esther did. That's the decision for all of us. I remember, I remember making this decision pretty early on when we planted Renewal Church. We planted about seven years ago. And especially back then, we didn't have um, money. <laughs> we didn't have people, right? We didn't have a lot of influence or clout. We were this tiny little startup church. And it was really scary to be giving away resources or time or money or people in that phase to leverage what we did have for the sake of other people. But I just, God put it on my heart. And, and I think our church caught the spirit of that, that from day one, that what Boston needed was so much bigger than us. We want to be a part of a movement of multiplying churches in the city of Boston, right? Boston doesn't need one more healthy church. Boston needs a thousand more healthy churches in the metro area. And we wanted to be a part of that. So um, early on in our church, a guy named Jay Mudd was starting Milestone Church in Natick. And we, we knew we needed to support him financially, but we didn't have much money. We had like, I think it was like 1500 bucks at the time. And so what I did was I sent out an email to every other pastor in the city that I knew and said, hey, can we get behind this guy? And that one email, that one week raised $13,000 for Jay. And that was, that was a marker moment for me when I realized, you know, if you're just willing to take the step, God can do more than you can imagine. So after Jay Mudd, it was, it was Jonathan Mosley, and he worked on staff with us for a while, and he went out to plant Kings Hill Church. And that was, that was terrifying to send people and money and resources away, right? Because from your human perspective, you think, um, how are we going to make it? But from God's perspective, man, you cannot outgive God. And so even to this day, uh, I'm on the board at Kings Hill Church, and, and we're invested and involved there with financial support and coaching and relationship. And me and Jonathan still hang out all the time and that kind of stuff. 
And then even more recently, we decided, you know what, we need to get behind these church planters, Rob Connolly and Simon Sim. You heard from both of them over the last several weeks. Simon taught at our church. Rob did an interview with us as they plant churches in Brockton and Lowell, just believing, you know, God's going to do God's gonna do great things through them. And the city needs churches in literally every neighborhood. And so we're behind them. And we may not be, you know, the biggest church, the most influential church in Boston, but I believe God isn't waiting for us to get to some higher level to use our influence. He just wants us to say, God, whatever I have, you can use it. And God can take five loaves and two fishes and he can feed thousands. That's what he did through Jesus. And so God can take whatever you offer him if you're willing to leverage your position to serve others. You know, um, I sat down with uh, Heather this week. I told you I was going to share Heather's perspective on this because Heather is a a mom. She's a stay-at-home mom, but she also works. She tutors. She does that kind of thing. And then she also has the relationships in our church. I just thought it'd be so helpful to hear from someone whose authority doesn't come from the corporate ladder about how they try to put this into place in their life. So, So listen to Heather and I for just a second on how she tries to leverage her position to serve others. So I sat down to get Heather's perspective on this because we're talking about leveraging your position to make an impact in other people's lives and to serve them. And a lot of our minds go to the corporate world, I think, when we hear about that. But you don't work for the man. You you raise our kids and you have your side hustle too. So what does this look like in your life if you're talking about leveraging your position? Yeah, so I'm a stay-at-home mom. I've been a stay-at-home mom for nine years now. Jude just turned nine. and. Um, I think leveraging my position looks different than what it might look um, for other people. I'm not like the head boss over millions of dollars, um, but you know, as a parent, as a mom, I am using my influence and position to try to walk alongside these kids and to raise them um, to where one day they will choose to follow Christ on their own. Um, to not use my position to you know, demean them or to use my power, you know, with force or anything like that. And there will be times of discipline and correction. Um, but to use this time as their mom um, to encourage their growth. And um, so I think as a parent, that's one thing that comes to mind. Um, I'm also a tutor. I'm a reading tutor. Um, and I think in that world, it looks a little different. Um, I try to use the knowledge that God gave me the opportunity to learn about um, when it comes to reading to help parents who have questions with their kids. I've met so many people along the way that their kids are having trouble with reading and you know I try to use my time to um, call them even if I barely know them and just try to work through um, questions they have and so I think you know it looks different in both ways but I try to um, Use the the place that God has given me to help those around me. Yeah, and for a lot of people, though, I think that this is one of those things where it's easier said than done. You say, oh, that sounds nice. So what do you think are the main barriers to people actually leveraging their position to serve others? I think the first thing is time. It takes time to go out of your way and to use the, you know, place that God has given you to help other people. Um, It also takes intentionality. 
you have to be aware of the people around you and the needs that they have and you have to um, you know be looking for those moments to not let those moments pass you by just because you're focused on um, just yourself or a task that you have so time and intentionality yeah hey thanks so much people need to hear your perspective yeah all right I, my wife is just incredibly godly and wise, and we're so blessed to have her. I am blessed to have her, but our church is blessed to have her too. So you heard from her, but let me ask you, what does it look like for you to leverage your position to serve those around you? If you're a boss, does that mean mentoring someone rather than using your employees and moving on? If you're single and you have influence with your, your coworkers or your roommates, it might mean taking the initiative to show up with a note card and a gift to build that relationship and be a faith influencer in their life. Maybe inviting them to church, maybe just being for them if they had, being there for them if they had a tough week. If you're a dad, it means leveraging your position to serve your wife and your kids and not putting your own needs and interests first, but serving the whole church. What does it mean for you to leverage your position to serve others? You know, I think the number one reason that we don't do this is not because we don't want to. I think when most of us hear that, there's something that clicks deep inside our soul that says, yeah, that's right. What holds us back is not a lack of desire. It's fear. I mean, that was what was holding Esther back in a very dramatic way, right? Because she was worried I could lose my life, not just my position, but I could lose my life. But for most of us, we're concerned about losing our reputation, we're concerned about losing face or respect. If we, if we start serving others, will we, will we lose respect? We're worried about losing our position itself. And that fear will always hold you back from living like Jesus until you see something. And that is that in Philippians 2, it says that Jesus... Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You know, Esther risked her life to save her people, but Jesus gave it. And when that truth that God has shown you grace and mercy and forgiveness defines who you are as a person, then you can risk your position. If, but if you're getting your self-worth from your position, right? If you get your self-worth from your corner office, if you get your self-worth from, from what your rank is, it'll be almost impossible for you to risk that. But when your self-worth comes from knowing Jesus loved you so much that he gave himself to die for you, well, then a, a job's just a job. A position's just a position. God's in charge of all that. I don't need that to tell me who I am or what I'm worth. God does that, not my job, not my position. So then I'm free to risk it. Do you catch that? When the most fundamental thing about who you are is that God loves you and he died so your sins could be forgiven and he rose again to lead you to eternal life. When that is at the core of who you are, you will be free to leverage your position to serve others. Now I wanna to talk to those of you today who you would say, you know, I maybe even wear the label Christian, but I'm not sure that, that that's right at the center of who I am. I, I don't know if I'm following Jesus, if I've crossed that line of faith to follow him. And I would just say, you know, when you follow Jesus, it sets you free. And I wanna invite you to follow him today because it changes everything about your life. But I wanna do something a little bit different today. Instead of praying a prayer to follow Jesus, 
saying, you know, I, Jesus, I know you forgave me my sins and I believe uh, by dying on the cross and I believe you rose again so that I could follow you and you would lead me to eternal life. Instead of doing that, I want you to do something bold. I want you to sign up for information about being baptized. I, I want everyone in the whole church to fill out your connection card right now. And if you want to start a relationship with God, I want you to be baptized. Because in the Bible, you know, when people wanted to, wanted to turn from their way of living and live for God, they never filled out a connection card. <laughs> they, they, didn't, um, they didn't pray a prayer. They just got baptized. And next week on July 26th, we're having a baptism service. It's going to be near Carson Beach in South Boston. And we have, uh, we have four people signed up already. And I want you to be a part of that too. Because baptism is the way that you declare to the whole world, I'm laying down my will to live for the will of another. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and rose from the grave. And I'm going to die to an old way of life and raise up to a new way of living. My past is forgiven. Heaven is my home. And I need to plunge my past through baptism. Like if you need certainty that you are following Jesus and that heaven is your home, baptism gives you that certainty. If you need to know that you belong to something bigger than yourself, baptism is that marker that you have been baptized into Jesus and into his family that you belong. If you want to walk on that great adventure of following Jesus where every day is different because you never know what he's going to do with your life, baptism is the way that you say, I'm in on that adventure. If you need to live with a sense of purpose in your life, Baptism is that marker moment that I'm not living for me anymore. I'm living for God and his kingdom, that I have a bigger purpose than myself to live for. And so if you've never been baptized or you've never been baptized as an adult, I want you to sign up today for information on baptism on your connection card, and we'll, we'll get you everything you need to show up. Now, if, you're not, if you've already been baptized and you want to come celebrate with us outdoors with a mask on, uh, you can go to renewalchurchboston.com baptism and get all the info you need to come celebrate with us. It's going to be our first thing that we're going to do together. We're going to be safely socially distanced, but it's going to be an outdoor event. So it's going to be a lot of fun. But I want to challenge you that today might be the day God is calling you to say, sign up and be baptized on your online connection card because it's time to mark the moment that you follow Jesus. All right, that's it for today, church. I hope that you go and are blessed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Go and use that position to serve others in the name of Jesus. God bless. We hope that you enjoyed the message today. You know, one of the things that I love about Renewal is that it's filled with such generous people. And if you're here today and would love to give, you can either download the Renewal Church Boston app and give through there, or you can go to renewalchurchboston.com forward slash give. Before you go, don't forget to fill out that connection card. And if you're interested in finding out more information about our baptisms happening next week, check off that box and we'll send you more information. Thanks for joining us today and we hope to see you next week.